Welcome back everyone to another episode of Rooftop Perspectives. It's another beautiful windy day. The clouds are out, the sun pops out. It's one of those days. But it's beautiful and it's refreshing. And no matter how the weather is, if you feel good from within, you feel good no matter what. Because you're part of creation and creation is serving you. So no matter what, it could be pouring down rain and it's a wonderful day. Yesterday I did a little clip that I started out up here, but the rain came out of nowhere. So I had to discontinue it and started inside. So a lot of good comments there and I appreciate, I appreciate the appreciation because a lot of work that goes into this. But today, and before I even say the, the story, I've been so rude in the last few videos. I just want to say that I hope this video reaches you in the best of health, motivation and success as defined by you and not the man-made engineered world that would drive you to a nervous breakdown, a heart attack, or a serious disease. Because pursuing anything in the man-made world with this false uh, trappings of success is not good for you. I like the world of nature, I like the natural order. And it's more rewarding and it sustains you and keeps you here and keeps you young for a very, very, very long time. And I could not wait to get out of it. And although I'm still partially in it, I'm out of it more than I've ever been in my whole life and the feeling is phenomenal. Gonna try it sometime. Anyway, I wanted to tell a little story. Like, I'm always telling stories, right? I just realized not too long ago, many months ago, that I have had a lot of experiences in my life that I can share. And I can't say bad, but some unpleasant and some very, very good. And even the unpleasant ones added up to something good as far as teaching me a little bit about wisdom in life and how to handle situations and that in itself is a wonderful thing so you can't always take something that's presently what most people call bad oh man that's bad that's a bad situation i wouldn't want to be in your shoes oh man that's terrible how would you how are you going to get out of that one don't think that because the way is always made whenever you're going through a challenge in time it's a lesson for you and it may be where you take severe loss to learn that lesson oh but a lesson it will be Later on in life, when you recuperate from it, come out of it and realize why it happened and realize what it gave to you. Even when you don't have an answer to something that's going on in your life right now, there is always a solution and there's always an answer to your question. When you ask and you speak out to your creator and say, why is this going on? What's the reason why? Why do I have to endure all of this? There's a reason because when you come out of it, You'll realize how light you are, how gifted you are, and how you're put into a position to never, ever drop your guard and to end up in that position ever again. And that in itself, to know that you're armed with this wisdom on a physical level, and it's not really compa comparing, uh, comparing yourself to carrying a firearm, but if you're walking through a dangerous city, a dangerous neighborhood, and you don't have protection, and I know people say, well, the creator protects me, I understand that. We're speaking on a more lower vibration level and you don't have a firearm, you're like, oh man, I don't know what can happen to me around here. It's kind of dark, I don't know anybody, and I hear a lot of crime goes on. But if you got that peace on you, you're like, mm-hmm, I'm not bothering nobody. I'm not worrying now. But if somebody comes to me to step the wrong way, they're gonna realize they're gonna get a taste of the steel that I got on my side or on my ankle or in my lower back. Because that's places where you wanna carry them, right? Boom, 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 right? Three of them, they don't even see it. So wisdom is the same way. When you gain wisdom through 
difficult situations and you have the experience of going through certain things, it doesn't really scare you when you have to visit a place where you gained that wisdom before because you've been through it already. See, I've been backstabbed before. I've been talked about. I've been, all those things. So when it happens again, it's like you lost out because you will never, ever have the benefit of me. You see, the best way to really hurt an enemy that hasn't revealed himself to be an enemy yet is to kill him with sweetness ahead of time. Treat him nice. Do for them, right? And when they do something to you to make it where you can't have them in your life no more, they will think about it. Oh man, you know, when he was in my life or she was in my life, I didn't have to do all of this. They made it easy for me. Boy, they gave a lot of energy to me. And the biggest revenge is that they think about you and what you meant to them, but they took you for granted. So you can laugh now because you don't have to spend that energy anymore and you're, you're free. You're free to have to do, an, to do for an enemy. So they did you a favor. And they can't help but think about how you have your resources, your talents and abilities to yourself to use, to uplift what you're doing to help other people. See, but some people say, oh man, they did me wrong. I did, no, 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 no. You did them right and that will haunt them. Ladies, when you break up with a man and you gave all your love, and I mean all your love, not even just what happens in the bedroom, but your resources, your time, your support, your sacrifice. We have some young ladies out here who they work to keep their fiance or their husband in school, knowing that when he gets out of school, he'll be in a better position theoretically, because we know how the system is. I'm just saying in general. And she gave up her career or gave up what she wanted to do because only one can do the work and the other one had to go in full force. It could have been him working and her going. Same thing, it has happened. And at the end of the day, sometimes that man will leave with somebody else or just leave after you gave him everything to get him to where he is now. That should have been in a righteous mind was like, sweetheart, you sacrificed for me. Let me get this paper now. And let me put you through school. Let me, let me, let me support you in what you're doing, right? It should be that way, but they don't. They go run off and now, what do you have for it? Nothing. It doesn't mean you shouldn't invest in someone or in your mate, but make sure that this person is not a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So that kind of experience will arm you with wisdom that you never had before that will help to guide you in the future. That when you see yourself going up a certain road, you're like, ah, I'm not going to be paranoid and say this person's going to do the same thing to me, but I need more proof before I proceed with this arrangement. Instead of foolishly going in based on emotion and love and romance and I, I believe in him. No, you need to know. You need to know. And this is not what I really want to talk about, but I'll, I'll go on it for a while. These days, in the days of social media, we are so desensitized with the imagery of a handsome, strong man with a six-pack and good money and all of this stuff, or a sexy, beautiful woman, hourglass shape, anti-gravity breasts and hips, and, and just gorgeous. And we flip through profiles, and we see these photoshopped, altered images to make someone look good. They'll go to a mall sometime, a shopping mall, and lean up against a car that's expensive that doesn't belong to them and have their friend snap a picture. And you say, oh man, you're driving this car. You got it going on. But in actuality, they don't. And what's wrong with showing yourself as you are? 
you you have less issues. You put yourself out there and try to make yourself look as good as possible on a worldly level, and now you're attracting the sharks who will damn near or damn sure test you. Because you pulled them in on what? False pretenses. Let me be who I am. Let me be who I am, and who wants to come around, around me, let it be. If somebody smears my name and you believe it, even you miss out on the goodness that I have to offer you. And you have to think about that. Don't run down people and try to prove to them that what this person said about you is not true. They want you to jump through hoops. No. Is it true? Well, yeah, it's true. I'm a rotten person. Use that to keep these people away from you that will turn on you because they believe the, the hearsay of somebody else. And as soon as they get near you, they'll believe it again. No, I'm a rotten person. No, you're right. We're evil. Don't come around us. They're doing you a favor. They're keeping other entities away from you and you get to keep 100% of your energy to yourself. Since house cleaning in my life, it has been so effortless to create my videos and run my website and do my writing and get a full night's sleep and never have these other influences that try to influence you to do things against what is ordained in your life. It's such a light feeling. I, I, I just never believed that I can get to this age. Not that I never believed it or never knew it. I knew I could. But when you go through years and years of rough times, you're like, will I ever feel that teenager lightness, lightness, lightness again? You know, when you're a, teen, a young teenager, or even when you're 10 years old, and, and you can't wait to go out and play outside with your friends, and you wake up and you have this enthusiasm for a new day, and... After a while, life hits you. You got mortgages and rent to pay and bills and car note and health insurance and aches and pains and a friend dies, another one breaks up with you. And you're like, uh, the enthusiasm wanes. You see what I mean? And that's what we don't want to have happen. Let me just check with this shadow and make sure this thing is not my face because the sun is popping out bright over here. But anyway, um, those things teach us. So when you're going through something unpleasant and you wish you didn't have to go through it, don't say that because it's definitely going to make you stronger. Some of these people that you see out here as elders, elders doesn't always mean, or older doesn't always mean elder. So a person can have gray hair, beard, and talk wise, and they may be a fool. Or you can have, look, a lot of my elders are 20, and, 20 years old, 25 years younger than me. Because they've accrued a wisdom. There's no timeline on the accrual of wisdom. We all have an opportunity to learn from the things that come into our life as a, in an adversarial way that, that kind of chips away and hones us to be the beautiful individuals, the wise individuals that we are to be. But many people bypass that or avoid that, but they know through verbally plagiarizing other people a way to talk wise, but it's not coming from experience. When it comes from experience, you don't have to rehearse it. You don't have to choose your words. I kind of knew what I was going to talk about, but I brought the tripod up and look at me. I'm talking on a whole different subject other than what I originally want to talk about, which is really going to be short, so I don't mind this. So even check the wisdom that comes from people's lips and see how they really live. People can talk wise. Again, this is the time of YouTube. You can go pick a video, any topic, any subject, listen to something for a while and go back and repeat it and appear to be the one that's wise. 
We didn't have YouTube before so and social media like this. So if we got it, we had to learn it the hard way, the right way. Oh, we can listen to a preacher or a pastor and replicate his words. But what, I, what I'm saying is go into the life of a lot of these false prophets that claim to be this person. Get into their life. Ask them, you know, you have a wife. Where is she? You, 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 you do this, you do that. How do you earn your money? What do you do? Do you have family? Let me see into your world. And that's one thing I made sure to do. When I found out in 2005 that there were some major government organizations watching me, not because I was a threat or did something, but the way the articles that I wrote, I said, let's watch this guy. And then I was in law enforcement also. So how is this guy talking so radical and he's in law enforcement? So I fit the profile so they just had to just merely watch because that's dangerous because he has access to so many people, right? That he can influence them. It's not so much that you have guns and you're gonna overthrow the government. I'd be foolish to, they got planes and tanks and nuclear bombs, what am I gonna do? But they, they see, a bomb can't kill a thought. A bomb can't kill a, 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 a way of thinking that a person can influence you to change your life. A bomb can't kill that. You can kill the person, but when you plant the thought in the minds of the masses, what are they gonna do? Find out how you're thinking and bomb every single person in the world who, who is exposed to you? So you can kill a platform. You can smear a person. You can send agents around them to infiltrate and smear their character. But once you get the good raw truth out there, nothing's stopping it. So if you're one who sacrifices, if you're one who, so she don't see me. That's a little distance down. She was looking up here. <laughs> anyway, um, when you have these things and you're willing to sacrifice, they say, wait a second, he's not going after the women or going after a big car or whatever. He wants to live a simple life and he gets up in the morning and does this from morning, noon, and night, which I have other things I do, but I'm always ready. I'm always ready to bring something that comes my way, to refer something to hip you to what's going on or share an experience that I had. It's not mandatory that you come here every single day. I'm not trying to be the biggest and the best. I'm the best at who I am. And I'm the best at what I do for what I do in the niche that I do because I'm only trying to be the best landscape that I can be. I'm not trying to be the best of another person. I can never be another person, but they can never be me. So exude the qualities that I have been given. See, if we would all get into who we really are, it would be so effortless and it would be a dynamic thing. But so many of us are looking sideways and let me take, let me take a page from this one. No, I don't do that. And if I learn something from somebody, I'm quick to tell you where I got it from. But if I got it from my own life and studies, like I said, my life has been very intense. Growing up in New York City and being exposed in that fast place so much that I am thankful for growing up there in the time that I did because it taught me so much to have the parents that I have. I say have, they've transitioned, but the energy's around me and it's in me. The parents that I have put me at a head start. The place that I was raised gave me a head start. The lessons that I saw, sometimes brutal around me, it gave me a head start and let me know that I was protected all this time to make it this far, to make it this far all the way and be protected. Mm -mm. I'm not just saying bullets, but I've, I've heard bullets fly over my head that weren't meant for me. I've been in places that you, you hear a voice, you leave and five minutes later, there's a shootout and people are killed. Sometimes the voice says, stay home, and they're coming home, they're coming over to pick you up to go hang out, and they get in a bad car accident. 
There's too many of these things that have happened to me to let me know, Lance, you are protected. Listen to me. I'm not going to lead you the wrong way. I'm not going to lead you the wrong way. So this is why online, my life has been transparent because I ain't got nothing to hide because I ain't doing nothing I shouldn't be doing. You understand? Oh, I also want to say, I also want to say, uh, even though it happened many months ago and many people have been asking for Mrs. Scurve, she's alive and well and everything is just fine with her. She's just being still after the passing of her father, after the transition of Mrs. Scurve's father. She's like, okay, let me really meditate. Let me do this, let me do that. She'll be coming back soon. Because a few people have asked me and uh, there's words going around that, you know, we ain't together no more, no. I know who's spreading that propaganda, right? And um, that's a damn lie. That's a damn lie. So I'm just clearing it up. Whoever's saying whatever or whispering and coming into the comments, where's Mr. Scurve? And when I say she's mourning the passing of her father, then they take the comment down, shows really that it was, the intentions was to spread or insinuate something. So I'm gonna prove those to be a fool like I always do, right? That's what it is and she'll be on soon. So everything's good with her, she's in good spirits. And you know, that's a very big thing because she really loved her father. And I will say her father is a very good man. Champ, remember the videos? Champ, I love that man. He, he's, he's really a wonderful person, you know. And um, it's because of him and her mother that made Mrs. Scurve. So I have to thank them, you know, but that's what it is. Look at this, I'm hearing noises and you look what's walking up behind me. I didn't even know that. I thought somebody was making fun of me going rah, 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 rah. So <laughs> you can't hear that I don't think over these mics, but this is how it is. This reminds me, I see more uh, 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 goats and, and, and other animals walking around in the street and cows. I'm like, man, more than stray dogs. You don't see stray dogs so much, but you see them. And it reminds me where I am. I'm like, wait a second, this ain't America. You kind of forget sometimes. But um, life is good. Life is wonderful. And every day I'm getting lighter and lighter in my spirit. And I'm getting some daggone good sleep. Mm, I'm getting some good sleep. And um, I always wonder what's coming for the, the, the rest of the day. It's an adventure. And I embrace it wholeheartedly. And I just love life so much. And I'm thankful to the creator for life. But like I said, just because a person is older doesn't mean that they're your elder. The wisdom has no chronological age. It affixes itself to. It's your ability to absorb from the lessons and experiences that you have. And if you can absorb those lessons and experiences at a higher rate than the next person, you can be an elder to somebody. If you're 25, you can be an elder to one who is 75 who refuses to rid themselves of their arrogance and one-man upmanship and just being pompous and wanting to beat you down with truth, a truth that they don't live. There's so much to this, so be very careful who you let in your inner space. And I can understand why I was speaking to somebody last night and this morning, and they said, no, Lance, I am not gonna come out and be online like you. They didn't say like me, like I'm doing something wrong, but they say, I see what you go through, I'm not doing it. There's too many snoopy people out here, nosy people out here, too many agents, too many rabble-rousers, you know, want you to reach out to them and all. no, she said, no, they ain't never going to get a hold of my business and know about me like you do. And I said, you know what? You are doing the right thing. Trust me, because you can get people swirling around you. You don't know who they are, what they are. 
and, and what their intentions are. So every now and then, you gotta clean out. You gotta clean out who's there and who's standing and will be there, who's not. If you see them, you don't always have to call them out either. You can just, mm-hmm, I know who you are. You won't be around too long, mm-hmm. So that's how I move light, because I'm an old head out here. 2001, I've been online every day doing something. And even before I started doing videos and doing shows, I used to be interviewed a lot for the artwork, <coughs> the artwork and the writing and stuff, and known by people all over the world. I'm not saying that to be narcissistic, right? All I'm saying is that, you know, there's, look, if videos stop, there's stuff I'm still gonna do. I was already known for it long before. You know what I mean? The first time I ever did a show, and it wasn't even on YouTube, it was on Blog Talk Radio, August 11th, 2011. So that's 11 years of shows that I have up. And like I said, this video is the, uh, 4,988th video? No, no, no. I don't, look. 12th? 4,992 or 93. That's a lot of videos, y'all. You know, a lot of them are short. Most of them are long. Four, five hours, six hours. Boy, I put in the work. And I'm happy that I did because of the wonderful people that I've met and vibed with. And um, it's an experience that I've used the right way. You know, I had a little couple knuckleheads along the way. Had a couple people I had to get rid of that you don't see no more because they turn out to be frauds and not who they're supposed to be. I cannot promote that. I ain't saying nothing, but it is what it is, right? But again, Mr. Skirt, thanks you for the condolences and well wishes of the transitioning of a father and I miss him. I love him very much. I can hear his voice in my head. We had a lot of happy, good times together. And um, anybody who can't like that, man, you got to be a devil. You know what I mean? So the energy continues. And um, I look forward to the transition, although I'm not ready yet. But I'm getting ready for it. And we have to live a life that is pristine, that gets us ready for it. Instead of waiting until we get years under our belt and say, Oh, God, I got to get ready. Because uh, most of us never get ready. And it's something you can't stop. But you, it's something that you can make happen in an easier fashion. Because when you have these things inside of you that you can well hide from the world that are not good, it's going to make it hard when you have to face yourself or come back and do it all over again. And I feel that you could only be given so much chances for that. Because when you have envy in your heart for your fellow man or woman, jealousy, you don't wish them no good. You're whispering behind the back. They're evil people. Don't go near them. Don't do this. What? But in my life, I don't have no evil manifestations or even things that come at me like that because I'm not involved. Because when you do those things, you actually attract people's negative energy on you and, and you get more and more miserable. I ain't got no time to go and run somewhere and do juju on somebody and well. You're doing it to yourself. I don't need the secret handshake groups because the creator gave me everything on the inside that I need. When a chicken lays an egg, all of the nutrients that that chicken needs is inside that shell and behind the shell. Everything. Everything. Right? So that, that's... that's it's, 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 it's ludicrous to think that you need this thing on the outside. You gain wisdom through your experiences and your journey, and you thrive. And this is why I like coming up here and vibing with everybody, because there's a lot going on through this big head of mine. 
and I like to share it if it's something good, right? Well, anyway, I want to tell a short story. Lloyd, Lloyd Scarlett, a family friend. He has a son by the same name. So if you ever see him or run into him, I lost contact with all of them, you know, but it's an amazing story in my life. And I have, and I realized that I have a lot of amazing stories in my life and I want to share them, you know, because I think I had my fair share more than enough of some wonderful, phenomenal stories in my life. And I can't leave this earth without sharing them. This is really uncanny. Well, Lloyd Scarlett, and I won't say his name too much, nothing to hide. I want to focus on his presence in my life. He was one who was born a year before or the same year my brother was born. My brother was born in 1952. And right there on 152nd Street, uh, between Amsterdam Avenue and St. Nicholas, right there where Convent Avenue starts, we lived at 454 West 154th Street, apartment 54. And I lived there, we lived there till five years old, but I remember all of that, right? And I think Lloyd lived across the street somehow, lived across the street, and him and my brother from very young ages were buddies from like the early 60s or something like that where they were eight, nine years old or whatever. And I, I wasn't around. So they were young kids playing around. I was born in 1963. They were still young teenagers. And as they were coming up, even as I was born, it, it, it was told to me that Lloyd at one point had changed my diapers. That's how they were young. My mother was there, look, could just go ahead and do it, my brother, whatever. So that's to show you how close he was back then, right? So he went on and unfortunately, I don't think his son would mind me saying it because people knew it, he was open about it. He had a heroin habit after a while. My brother also, he had, you know, similar issues to this day with drugs, whatever's around, he's doing it. But Lloyd stopped, right? Lloyd stopped and went on to work for New York City Transit Department, retired, and we kind of lost contact with him. So he knew we were out in Queens from uh, Manhattan, but he didn't know exactly where, right? So one day, there was a knock on the door, right? And this was a time when I was going through a lot of challenging times that helped to mold me into what I am today. Although I had a great foundation, I still had to learn my own lessons. So one day, and I, I'm, I'm kind of forgetting the timeline because I, I got to slow it down because there's some very crucial things that you need to know. So I get a knock on the front door, right? And I go to the front door and I see this really big guy. He's not fat, fat, out of shape. He's just a thick dude. But his head was a little smaller. We used to make fun of him. And he, we, he knew this. There's nothing bad. We used to be like, man, such a big body, man. You got a small head. And, um... And he would always joke, and, and he had, he talked real slow. I think it's because I heard he talked slow anyway, before the time when he used drugs really heavy. But you know, as you well know, when you hear, I don't know why it's like that, but with heroin, heroin addicts, they get this thing about them that they really do it a lot. And their voice, it's almost like permanently, they, their lips turn down, you know what I'm saying? And I'm talking real slow. And if they're high on it, they just shut up. Yeah, man, doing something. It's like a whine. But with him, it wasn't a whine. It was just that he was talking slow. So I used to rag on him sometimes and tell these like slow jokes. <laughs> He'd rag on me, I'd rag on him. We had big tie around the neighborhood, Carlos, Teray, uh, uh, Crackhead John, you know, Crackhead Scrap, different guys in the neighborhood that 
you know, it was a camaraderie there. And this was like in the early 90s. And I mean, we grew up with it, but when Lloyd came around, it was like we embraced him. So I never knew exactly what was going on with him. I knew he was going through a rough time. I knew he had a fat retirement check that, that kept him up. But I kind of think he was messing with that stuff again, right? But not much. And he confessed to me that he would do it every now and again. But he wasn't the kind of guy to steal from you, take anything from you. Nah, he wasn't like that. He still had character. So at the time that Lloyd came around, I was in the process of renovating the house. And I was working and coming home and working all night and sitting up ripping out walls and replacing this and replacing that. There's a lot I did not know. But I learned a lot because I'm a reader and I had my books. And anything I had to tackle, I learned about it. And I worked at Home Depot, so it was right there to get anything I needed. But this was before I worked at Home Depot, right? Home Depot in New York City wasn't around until January of 1994. So this was around 92, 93, mainly 93. And um, he knew electrical because he did the electrical for the New York City Transit Authority, right? And he's a guy in the tunnels running these, I mean, a lot of voltage running through these wires, but he knew his stuff. This guy was brilliant with electrical wires. I mean, you know, an electrician, when he's doing housework, electrical work in the house, a lot of them don't even cut the power off because they know not to become a circuit or touch something that lets electricity flow through them. So here he is with live wires in the bare ceilings doing stuff for me, right? I'm like, my God, how, how could this guy know to do this stuff, right? So um, at one point, I had changed from fuses to circuit bo boxes because it was an old house, but that's irrelevant. But we did the stuff up in the other apartments that I was preparing to rent out. So he was doing all this work. We're getting to know each other again. And he stayed with me for a little while, a couple weeks, maybe like a month and a half, and did the work, boom, and disappeared. He just didn't disappear, but it was like, well, Lance, you know, I got to move on. There's some stuff I have to take care of out of state. It's like, I'm going to come back and check with you. But the day he showed up, I really needed the help. I really needed the help to get the electrical done. I, did, I was scared of doing it, even though I read the books and understood it. But I bought the materials. I'd pay him. He would never take what I wanted to give him. He'd take a little bit. He'd say, no, man. I'm a member of the family. And hopefully your brother can get off of this stuff. Uh, and your mother, always very close with me, always, you know, your father, he'd tell me things about my family that I didn't know, nothing bad, but just little stories, little things. You know, your father was a bad man, man. He would not take nobody messing up around, women around him or disrespecting anybody. He'd step in, he said, let me tell you something. He said, I saw my father or your father knock dudes out. I'm like, my father was like short guy, five foot six, whatever. He was built like a tank. He was like a, built like Mike Tyson. If my, if, if my mother wasn't taller, because she got older and she kind of, like, not shrunk, but, you know, it made me a little more lanky. And people say, oh, man, Lance, you thick. If I, if I had just my father's genes, I'd be a straight tank. But I got a blending of both of them physically and emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and I think it's a, I think it's a good balance, you know, because my father and mother complemented each other where one was strong, and the other one was not as strong. I won't say weak because they were not weak in any way. So he told me some stories and stuff and some funny stuff, right? But when, he, when, his, when the job was done, he left. He had to go. And we had a lot of good times. 
So the other time now, he showed up when my mother had her second stroke, right? And that was in April of 1994. The first stroke was in July of 93. And it, 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 strokes take the best part of you from what I heard. So if you have a wonderful speaking voice and you can speak well, that takes that. Whatever your ability is, it kind of takes that first. I don't know whether that's the dominant part of your brain or whatever, but it messes with you that way. So she had such a wonderful speaking voice. As you well know, she sung opera. She sung everything beautifully. Didn't have to scream the power in her voice from the diaphragm. And I know a lot about that, but I can't sing, right? But I use my diaphragm to talk a lot. So that's where my verbal abilities come from as far as the power is concerned. So she, she went through a period of just kind of wanting to be away from, from everybody because she was shamed that sometimes she would stutter and everything like that. But once she had the second, the second stroke in April of uh, 94, she was brain dead, right? And all of a sudden, I'm dealing with her in the hospital. She's brain dead. She's on that machine. And I had to be the one to make that decision, right? So I'm there. A lot of friends not around me. A lot of friends abandoned me. I learned about a lot, a lot of things in life. And some of them are still my friends now. We understand. And I understand, too, because death can be scary to people. They're like, somebody dies, and ooh, they see their own mortality. So it's not an attitude sometimes. Sometimes people see that and they don't know how to handle it. But you have to handle it because you're, you're in the eye of the storm. You know, like Martha Wash's song. I stand alone in the eye of the storm. Pressure's all around trying to bring me down. But it's all right because I'm going to fight. You know, still hearing the words mama used to say, never, whatever, whatever. Them kind of songs keep me going. And I'm a person who always associates a song with a person. And I associated this song with Brother Lloyd, and I wondered where he was as I was going through these things because I said, man, I'd like to tell him that I made the decision to pull the plug because she was brain dead, no activity in her brain. And that was one of the hardest decisions of my life. And, and, and there was nobody from, because I have a very small immediate family but I got family all over the place that I lost contact with because my brother took that book that my mother had and contacted everybody and got money out of them to smoke up. They didn't know he was on crack. My mother knew a lot of affluent people, right? That would help her to drop of a dime because she's helped them. But that's a whole other story, right? Bottom line is, the song that I associated with Brother Lloyd at this particular time in my life, which was really not a dark period, because even though it was like this, there was still a little joy that was provided to me by the Creator to keep me going, like just enough oil to keep the engine going. And the few that were around me, I have to give them credit. Brother Carlos, Big Ty, Teray, uh, 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 even John, who smoked a little something, but he was a master carpenter and helped me do work. And uh, Mike, who did a little something, he smoked a little something, but he was always there to help me. These are guys who were in the neighborhood and all they, although they did what they did, they did not steal. So when they tell you, oh, all crackheads steal. They grew up in the neighborhood and they, they had love for people and it was like, listen, just give me work. You know what I do. And the one there, Mike, he had a check from the military, a big one too, that sustained him and kept him and his family would divvy out enough and never took from him. So I know all kinds of situations in life and, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what happened with John, but 
Maybe he's not with us, but he was a Vietnam veteran. Mike had been in, um, he was locked up in Turkey. He was telling me some weird stories, some military stuff when they got him and, you know, but the guy, you know, I heard he passed away and man, they made for some good times. I have a picture somewhere, Mike, I'll upload it one day and show and, and talk about the people that have passed through my life, right? But let's get to this point because now we're going, buckle your seatbelts because this, this is where it gets to be really fabulous. I'm sitting there doing some work in the house as always, thinking about when am I going to, because it was like, okay, I can't do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. Maybe something will happen where they detect some activity and I, I was in denial and I would break out crying sometime out of nowhere. Of course, that's your mother, man. Your mother and your father. You know, my father had passed away four years before in November 1990. And I had my mother there and his condition deteriorated so we saw it coming. You know, but with her, and she had to go through so many changes and with me trying to fulfill or fill his steps as much as I could or fill his shoes as much as I could, you know, it, these are some of the factors that helped me change my life because I saw how important it was to straighten your life up. Because y'all know, I was living wild with all these women and doing all this stuff. And that's one thing. In the middle of all of that, I broke up with my old girlfriend. It was a very nasty breakup. So... I was in the valley of decision and it was like I was thrust into a whole different existence that maybe I didn't feel I was equipped for. I never thought that, but I, was, I questioned myself. Sometimes in life, and I'm speaking from the heart, y'all, we have to be strong for others, but in, deep inside we say, am I really ready for this? And I had to question myself at that time. I didn't doubt myself, but there were times when I said, Am I going to make it through this, all of this emotional pain? So I'm sitting there and the song came on. The song that in my mind I had assigned to Lloyd. It's a song by the Whatnots. It's spelled Whatnots, W-H-A-T-N-A-U-T-S, the Whatnots. And the name of the song is Help Is On The Way. And every time Lloyd came around in my life, help was on the way. It was him. He helped me with all my electrical work in the house and we bonded and we had good times. Because even at that time of that major breakup, which was good because that lifestyle I was living with a woman that wanted to see me with all the women and bringing home women, that was not good. Eight years early when I met her, it was all fun and games. But after some demonic experiences, I'm like, I can't live like this no more. I wasn't raised this way. Yeah, I had my fill of it. Anything that you could think of a man doing with two or three women, I did. And some. It was like it was messing with my sanity. So it was good that this happened. So Lloyd was around for that. But he also, the song came on the radio and I was sitting in my living room my mother was in the hospital on a machine, brain dead. There's more to the story than just that, but I'm telling this from the standpoint of Brother Lloyd. And it gets even more spectacular. I'm taking my time telling this, y'all. Hang around, stay with me. Your mind is going to be blown. So but the first time when he came around, that song used to always play on the radio, and I taped it. And I used to play it a lot. And I would play it sometime on my uh, system, 
and I would look at Lloyd. And he loved the song. And I said, man, no matter what, Lloyd, this is going to remind me of you. Help is on the way. I needed help. And I didn't know where I was going to get it from. Money was low. I was working. But I had to fix this place up. And you rang the bell out of nowhere. Help is on the way. Matter of fact, I'm going to title that, uh, this video that. So, <laughs> y'all don't know. I've been through some, I've been through a lot, y'all. So I'm sitting here hurting because I know I'm about to lose my mother. And on the radio, the song comes on, the Lloyd song by the Whatnots, Help is on the Way. And I'm thinking about him and I'm listening to it. He's a guy who was always with my family coming up, not in the last, you know, but coming up in those years, he knew my parents, knew everything well. That part of my life I was too young to remember. I'm grooving on the song, saying to myself, man, where is Lloyd? I lost the number that he had, so I didn't know, because you know, cell phones back then were expensive and you had bootleg cell phones, you couldn't depend on them. I had a bootleg cell phone, but you don't know the number. <laughs> you know, you can't really call on those things. We called them zap phones. They were zapped to work for two weeks or one week, or it might stay for 10 months because it was zapped and copied from a corporate account until they found you out. And you know, I didn't have his number. How many of y'all remember the zap phones? You might have called us something different in your state or part of the world. Well, anyway, I'm playing this song and I'm wishing and wondering where my friend is. And the doorbell went, rings, and it's Lloyd. He was standing there. You know what he told me? It was dark outside, because I didn't have the porch light on. And he said, brother, I think you need me right about now. And I hugged him, and I said, yeah, I do, brother, I need you. And the song was still playing. So you can't tell me that it's not a creator. It may not be in the way that you want to frame it because somebody took that and twisted around and handed it to you to control you, but I know that's why I move through this life with no fear. Call me crazy. I don't care if you're Goliath standing in front of me. If you're in my way and I'm doing something righteous, not a goddamn thing is going to stop me from moving ahead. My mother told me this. My father told me this, and they said, never forget that. I can conquer anything as long as I'm connected to the creator. And we have a lot who claim that, and they're not really that. And I know, although I'm not perfect, I'm still a man. I might go down the street, no disrespect to Mrs. Curry, but I might see a woman with a nice backside and be like, I still got a touch of it in me but does that mean I'm bad does does that mean that the creator is not working on me to make me better I'm a lot better than I was last year I'm way better than I was five years ago I'm way better than I was 30 years ago everybody who knows me personally knows that so Lloyd came in and he said tell me all about it I said Lloyd did you hear something he said no and he talked real slow. I'm not making fun of him. But those who know, brother, 
I knew I had to come and see you. I'm not churchified and I'm not religious like that. You know, every now and then I put that needle in my arm, but something told me to come check out my boy that you need me, man. <laughs> if you want to see somebody crying, it was me. Really. And some people say, oh, you should not cry. It is not manly. Those are the kind of people that break. They snap. They lose their mind. They got to go to a shrink. They want to kill themselves. They rigid up tight. Emotions flowing of love from your creator and those who appreciate you and you appreciate them. These are not coward tears, if you want to know, right? I'm not a weak man. I'm not a violent man. I don't care how small you are. I don't care how big you are. If you step to me and my loved ones the wrong way, I'm going to find a way to whip your ass righteously and in the name of the creator. Because when left alone, I just want to help people. I just want to love people. But do not ever think that I got that much love for an enemy who wants to take my life or take me or, or destroy my life. Don't take me as a weak person. It ain't like that. But I love the one who brought me here and gave me life. I love that one. I'm looking around. I don't see no particular face, but it comes to me in nature. Okay, let's get to the next wing of the story. He knew that I was very, very much alone in many instances of things that I had to do to deal with that situation. I had scheduled a time to come the next day and he was going to be with me to have the plug pulled. And I've said it in other uh, videos and shows how I got a call six, one, six in the morning. There's an Indian man, some doctor called me up to say that they pulled the plug. You mean I couldn't be there? You robbed me this chance? You do something like that? I could have held my mother's hand. I felt her soul was trapped why this artificial machine kept her alive and me in the hopes. I couldn't be selfish. My mother always said, if I was in a situation like that, Lance, let me go. If I can't come back and live some type of dignified life and I'm gone, let me go. And I can hear my mother's voice right now in my head. I'm good with memories and voices and, and things and it doesn't haunt me. I'm glad I can hear these things in my head when I want to. I can hear my father's voice. I can hear countless other people's. Friends of mine, their mothers and fathers. I mean, I can't. I'm like a recorder. I remember this stuff. So I cried so hard and I was angry and I was about to go do something really bad to that hospital. This is not even tough talking because how cold can you be? I was so out of it. People, oh, you could sue them. And, uh, I just was out of it. All I know, I wanted to go up in there and go to a friend's house that has the hardware and roll up in there and just clean off the whole floor. I was so hurt. And this is what, this is what makes me want to speak up when other people can't speak or whatever because I know what it's like to feel alone and um, just to be in that place. So anyway, 
Lloyd, help me. I had to identify the body. I had to do all these different things. And Lloyd came with me. At certain points, I just had to put my head down. I said, Lloyd, just, I'll look, but I was worn out. And the other changes of having many friends abandon me in that crazy world that I was in, they were gone. When the good times stopped, they were gone. All the sex parties and orgies and freaky women that I knew, they were gone. There's a couple that stayed around thinking, okay, he gonna get some money, so I need to be around them. This is real. I'm telling y'all, this is not even the most amazing part of the story. Lloyd, help me with that. Help me touch up some things in the, in, in the house because there were still other things that needed to be done. And he told me again, Lance, my work is done. Are you okay? He says, I said, okay, I'm okay. He said, listen, I'm not asking you for nothing, brother. Just make sure that you can cover me on a flight to Florida because I'm going to be living down there. I was like, Florida, what you going down there for? <laughs> you know what I mean? He says, it's so much better than up here. And I'm not struggling with this thing that I like to do, but it's better for me. And I'm like, listen, man, Florida's crazy. They got just as much of it down there than anything else. So he says, no, it's better for me. And I'll explain why. So about a week or so went by, he left and took care of business and whatever. And he swung by and I gave him the money for the ticket and everything. I think he was gonna try to go stand by or something like that. And he wouldn't take it and go do, he came, he went down to Florida. And I knew, cause he told me, he's like, listen, I don't have to do this thing all the time, but every couple weeks, and I knew that, we got close. So he called me when he was down in Florida and said, yeah, how we have to be in contact, but I'm, I'm notorious for losing numbers, y'all. So I tried to call him or something. I looked for the number to call him a couple weeks later. Couldn't find it. I was like, oh man. So I lost contact with Brother Lloyd, but the story doesn't end. He's in another state. I'm living life, having children. And it came to a point in late 2000, I decided to sell my house. And in early 2001, we moved to Florida. And in moving to Florida, I had investigated different jobs down there. And I had settled on one that I knew I was going to get in corrections. I spoke to the person who was a recruiter. We had a camaraderie. He basically was like, listen, when you put the application, as long as you pass the background investigation, the physical and everything, don't worry, you got the job. I felt so good about that. I was working uh, at the People's Court TV show, crossing over with John Edwards. He was a big John Edwards fan. I was still working there before I left. I was doing both of them and some other, some other TV shows that the agency that I work for, uh, Charlotte Hitchcock, she's a politician in New York right now, and, um, and a lawyer, right? entertainment lawyer. So I, I've had connections um, that I've been blessed with to tell all these stories. And I never realized it because I thought everybody's story was fast, everybody's life was fast. See, when I say fast paced, it wasn't fast paced out in the world with drugs and the women, yeah, but nothing hurt myself, I took care of myself. You know, a little junk food every now and then, whatever, whatever. But even then, women were my drug and I relapsed a lot, eh? Because of my brother being on drugs, that would never appeal to me. I saw the results of it. But I ran into it, I'm not saying women are bad, but for me, women were an intoxicant because I'm very sensitive and I'm very, that was my thing. 
very intoxicating to me. And you know there's an abundance of women around here, right? So, buckle your seatbelt because this is the most amazing part of the story. As if it's not amazing. When he, when he, showed, he was at the front door about to ring the bell, the song was on, and he was out there ready. How did that happen with that kind of timing? How did it happen the first time? Okay, we're down in Orlando, Florida, and I have to go back up and back and forth, selling my home, and the inspection, and they found some things that had to be changed. I had to fly back up to New York and change them. That's another whole story. So whenever you wanna hear that, remind me and I'll tell you about that one. It was nerve rattling. But we got the house, house sold April 5th, 2001. I'm not in corrections yet, but I began the different uh, background checks, the tour of the facility to see if you want to do that job, um, the physical stuff, but they didn't do it all in one time, one period. They did it what, this month, this way, this month. So from February, I had to fly back and forth, get an apartment, funds were going low. I knew I was going to get money from this house when it was finally sold. April 5th, I had to fly up right before then and go to the closing. And that was a day when I left the closing, it was in Lower Manhattan, and I looked back at the World Trade Center and I thought to myself, or wondered, will I ever see these buildings again? It wasn't me being prophetic, it was just, that was a thought. But it came to me, you know, and when the buildings came down, I was like, I picked up some energy or something. Who thinks that? As a young child, I watched those buildings go up. I think it finished in 73 or 74. It started in the late 60s. And my father was telling me, yeah, you see that building's gonna be 110 stories high? And I'm looking at it. And then I looked at it one last time, caught that flashback. And when it came down, it freaked me out because I was in uh, the academy for corrections in, uh, in Florida, right? So, and I have a lot of stories like this to tell. It's not just philosophical stuff or battles from the past and all that stuff. So, I'm down there finally. The background stuff is not done yet, so I'm not working yet. I started corrections on June 25th, 2001. No, 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 the 26th, 26th. I started at the bus company on the 25th of June, years later. It's funny how those two dates, you know? So, finally I was accepted and I had to go and do shadowing where you go. You're not in the academy yet, but you're in there watching the scene. You're, you're getting paid now. And then you go to the academy, and then you come out if you get certified and do your work. Boom. Remember that part. So before I was shadowing in the jail, I had to find something to do. So, mind you, I hadn't seen Lloyd in seven years. Haven't spoken to him in seven years. Right? Lost his number. Knew he was in Florida somewhere, but Florida's big. I'm like, that was a write-off. Like, I ain't never gonna see this guy again. So I said, you know what? Let me get a little security guard job, knowing that I'm gonna be in corrections and getting paid real good money because I like to keep my hands going that if I'm not on a major job, I'll take a menial job to keep some money coming in. I have no pride that much where I can't, you know, you're providing for your kids and your family, keep, keep the money going. Even right now, I would never say, oh, I'm retired. If they say, Lance, we got a job. Are you free tomorrow night? I'm like, yeah, I'm free. 
but we got a job cleaning toilets. It only pays, so that's money that I wouldn't have. I'll do it. I'll clean my own toilets. I ain't getting nothing on my finger from the other toilets now. So I got the security guard job, but I had to go before. It's unlike other states. I had to get a security guard license. Who? Security guards are ragged, right? So it was like, who wants to be a security guard? You're tin cop? You want to be cop? No, no. But I did it because I had to keep my hands moving and I, I just can't sit still and refuse something. I can't believe some of these people who refuse to work. How you doing? <laughs> she finally saw me. So I'm at the class for two days. You took the security class and you had to really kind of spit back what they were telling you on the film and you check easy stuff because some of the jobs required fire firearms and I wasn't going for that particular class but I went for the class it was class D anybody in Florida who's in that line of work remind me of my memory as well so I'm sitting there and in the class we took a break and it was on the second day the last day it was only two days and there's a mixture of all races and all types of people there. And we, we were on a break now. I didn't, wasn't in a rush to go out there and smoke because I don't smoke. A lot of guys, oh man, I gotta get out of here, man. I gotta get a smoke. And a couple of people who sat there, they brought some food and they're eating. Remember the next telephones as they used to be with the church? So this is back in 2001. The next telephones were all over the place. So the guy and the older guy, he, um, had a chirp and it was like doo -doo -doo. I wasn't being nosy but so he said go ahead cap I didn't think nothing about it he said go ahead cap my captain like go ahead cap the black man old man and all of a sudden doo -doo -doo. I need you to come by to check out one of the posts that we have with the security company because I think the guy is not there so I was like, well, Cap, I got a couple more hours. You forgot I'm training today to get the license because this guy would help him out. But he wasn't a certified security guard. So I'm sitting here like, am I hearing this right? He caught, and it hit me because Lloyd's nickname was Cap. And I heard Lloyd's voice over the next tell. I got up. You know, you had the long tables that they put together. I got up like I, like I heard, I saw a ghost. I didn't walk around the table to the guy. I got up and pushed the tables apart. <laughs> and I'm looking at him. I don't know what kind of expression I had on my face, but he jumped up scared. I said, I said, I said, I said Lloyd, Lloyd Scarlett? He held the phone. He said, yeah, man, yeah. I said, I, I, I know him. Give me the phone, I know him. And so he handed out the phone, I snatched the phone. Lloyd, Lloyd Scarlett. He didn't hear, know the voice because it was over the phone and he didn't expect it. He said, yeah, who the hell is this? <laughs> I said, this is Lance. Wait now, you ain't effing with me, are you? I said, man, this is Lance Scurve. Oh, Scurvin, because my full name. I keep, I keep forgetting my name is not Scurve, it's Scurvin, but I'm Lance Scurve, right? I said, Lance Scurvin. My, yeah, said my brother's name. I said, and he was like, I'm gonna say the curse word. Oh, shit. 
I never heard nobody say that curse so long because he talks so slow. <laughs> Where are you? Like, I'm like, I want to say, dummy, your boy got, he, I'm at the security class. Oh, that's perfect. Call me. So I got the number and, and I went to a phone because I didn't have a cell at that time. And I called him. He gave, gave me all the particulars where to come get him, meet him where he's working, he was running a security company for somebody. And that was perfect for me, because like the title of this show, Help Is On The Way, I had an immediate job as I was going for corrections. How does that happen? What if the guy was in the class with me and the chirp never came from Lloyd? What if he went outside like he later on did in a few seconds and take a smoke break and take that call and I didn't hear it? And you tell me there's no creator? You tell me there's no divine force that's looking out for you if you're looking to do the right thing? And I ain't talking churchified stuff. I'm talking about real spirituality, real connectedness. I didn't intend to be up here this long, but I had to tell you the story the right way. So he came there. You want to talk about hugging. People were walking by, you know, in Orlando's gay friendly. They thought we were two homos hugging. We were just, <laughs> it was funny. We were marching hugging. He's like, man, you never called me. I'm like, man, I lost the number. And he's like, I didn't memorize your number either. So the next day, I was on a post working. And it wasn't much money. But it was nothing to do, it was a construction site way out on the east side of Orlando. He even gave me his car at night to drive and it wasn't driving yet. I bring it back to him in the morning and I go on home and he'll do. So I was making a little money that I was so appreciative of. I had to fly back up to New York a little while later, take care of the house, come back, got my little bit of money, still worked with him. And as I got more call-ins from corrections to do some of the background stuff, fill out more paperwork. He gave me days off and stuff until I actually jumped into that, which I did another security job also before that with Brother Lee. I told you about him. We talked on the first interview and we talked for three hours and at the end of the day, you got the job. So it's two different security jobs I did. But that one before with Lloyd wasn't paying as much. And he said, man, do what you got to do. You know how we get down. I'm not worried about that. I'll get somebody else whatever. And so I went to the academy and the training and it was December when I finished the academy and got certified in the state of Florida as a law enforcement um, officer in corrections. It is no different than the cops, the police. Out of the whole academy for the police, corrections officers do two thirds of that training because they don't have to be on the street with a car and a gun in the street and chasing people and you know, different things you have to learn. So it's like I'm two thirds of a cop in Florida, right? That doesn't matter. I was so happy to um, graduate the academy. I got the High Shooter Award, which there were a lot of guys that were in the military who were bragging about their knowledge of weapons. I didn't know much. I shot a gun into the ground one time. It was some burn, some burn illegal thing. Boom, boom, I wanted to see what it felt like. And I said, like, here, man, take this and wipe my prints off of it. But I had no uh, 
experience with weapons and they say one who has no experience but learns it properly doesn't have the bad habits of someone who has been doing it for years and they fall into bad habits. Now there are many drivers who can't pass a road test because they got into bad habits. They're not as good as they were when they learn from the book and I want to make sure to get this license. So I did good that way and even early on when I was in the academy and um, training and we did the range every day, the SWAT team was amazed at my shooting skills. And I can get more into detail, that's just a footnote, I'm kind of thinking open. And they were like, listen, do a year in the jail and you come out, you need to come with us you're not even going to be a regular cop. We're going to put you straight in the SWAT, in the SWAT team. I don't want to have anything to do with anything on the outside, you know. But I think it's weird because they're like, man, you get the, the weapon out and on target, you fire off two or three shots before they get it out their holster. Because I took it serious. This is life and death, so you have to train a certain way. And I think it's my love for boxing because I love the shadow box. I'm not going to say I'm good with my hands, but I love the shadow box. But... The weird talents, the weird combination of talents that I have, like me drawing with detail. When I looked at the target, the bullseye in the middle, it looked this big because I'm so used to drawing with, and then I punch the thing, whoop, lift it out, you know, get on target. All of that made it where the speed, the accuracy I had, and they were amazed. And these other guys who were like, you're lying, you, you got some kind of training. I said, no, I don't have any training at all. You know what I mean? Amazing time in my life, and I learned a lot about myself. So, I graduate. I call up Lloyd. He was so happy. You know, and I knew I was, you know, we, we got it. We got everything. We knew we, 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 knew we passed, but they're going to have the ceremony. So, he's called, he told me, he said, listen, let me know. Is next week sometime? I want to be there. And I said, Lloyd, I want you to be there. You're like... You're like family to me and you have to be there. You, you've been there for me so many, so many times. Help is on the way. <laughs> well, I called him to find out or let him know when the thing was about the, the, the ceremony. And his son picked up the phone or somebody picked up the phone and said he passed away. Some people come into your life to help you over things and to move along things. Even if you don't have your mother at the time or your father or a loved one, there are people or combination of people who will come to you in your life to help you get over a hurdle, not to do it for you, but to show you I'm here for you. And the cosmic debt that you have to the world is to be there for somebody else. You're not looking for money, you're not looking for sex, you're not looking for status, but help them, be that angel for them as Lloyd was an angel for me. I think he was about 52 when he passed away. And I was much younger because I was 38 years old then. But here I am at 59, next year in April, gonna be 60. And I live seven years longer as far as the chronological years on earth, but yet and still he was always an angel to me. So this is why for me, I'm not inviting users to come to me, but as much as I can, I try to do for others in a way where there's no fanfare, in a way where there's no cameras, or I'm gonna take a camera and try to make myself look good. I can do that, but I don't do that. 
Sometimes the people that I help in whatever way I can or encourage or motivate don't even know what I do. Until sometimes years later, I get a comment or I get a call. I knew there was something about you. Lance, you're the guy who, you know? It's like, wow. So I'm gonna go play this song now. I thank the creator for Brother Lloyd being in my life. And I want everybody who's watching this, who has a good heart to throw good energy to him, wherever he is now, wherever his energy is now, along with my parents. And there's a lot of times that people have come into my life, sometimes to destroy it, but there was always someone who showed me the way and helped me out of a disaster, like Brother Lloyd. Brother Lloyd and everyone here, salute to my brothers and sisters. I love you all. You don't know the amount of people who've come in my life to help me, and I'm not gonna let that down. I'm gonna do what it is I'm supposed to do with no fear in this life. And I mean that. You just don't know. That's all I can say. Much love to my sisters. Never be discouraged. You will feel it sometime. You can always call me. My number's all over the place here. That's what I'm supposed to do. Whatever you share with me, I don't tell anybody. It's between me and you. And um, I could not have come this far if it wasn't for a creator that loves me, even when I didn't think anybody loved me, to encourage me to go higher and provide a way as long as I make the effort and as long as I seek truth in the right way. I didn't always live properly. Broke a couple hearts. Didn't know. But nothing I did was out of venom. I don't hate anybody. But all I say is that I'm thankful to be here. And I submit to all laws of the righteous. And I will not move in fear from anything that manifests in my path. You come my way, I'm going to run right through you, whatever it takes. And I mean that. So that's just a little piece of a story that shows me that no matter how much you think that you're on your own, no matter how much you think that there is no way out of a situation, there's always help on the way. There's always help on the way. And I'll leave it at that. Help is on the way. Mwah.
Thank you.